WHHH-FM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. Good morning, Indianapolis, and thank you for tuning in to Open Lines here on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. Ebony Chappelle here with... Good morning, Indianapolis. I'm Cameron Riddle and Ebony. I'm just hoping that we have a better show than Teddy Riley did last night on Instagram. So, you know what? I was um, asleep <laughs> because... Uh, we didn't have the show last week because of Easter, so I just wanted to make sure that my rhythm was set to go to sleep at a decent hour, and I wasn't fooling with all that. Teddy had it up on his website, I guess, or something. It was on Instagram, and okay. and, and, and Babyface was up there, too. Yeah. Um, Babyface obviously won because we could hear his. Teddy Riley, yeah. you couldn't hear last night on Instagram, so it was a mess, so I went to bed Ugh. last night hoping that we didn't have those kind of issues this morning. Oh, no, I think we are going to do just fine. Um, I mentioned that we weren't here because of Easter. How did you spend your Easter holiday? Uh, Easter, uh, we watched uh, church uh, via the iPad, and we had a good little day. That's good. That's good. I um, got up and read the word, and I made dinner and talked with my family and stuff, so it was all around a good day, but very, very happy to be back with you all this morning. We have tons to discuss. Um, we are going to be talking with Dr. Virginia Kane in the nine o'clock hour. So you all definitely want to hear that. We are also going to hear from a family. Uh, we On our last show, we got a lot of calls. And since then, I've gotten a lot of feedback online from people who have the loved ones that are incarcerated. The coronavirus has invaded our prisons. We just recently had our first death in a correctional facility from the virus. So this is something that is plaguing a lot of people. So we are going to be talking about that. And we are also going to hear from uh, our sheriff, Carrie Forstall, around 830, who's going to tell us about what's going on in the Marion County jails. But at first, we are going to be talking with IMPD. They have some very important updates for us as well. Yeah, we keep telling y'all to uh, stop going to the parks and yes. uh, <laughs> and being there with 10 people at Craner Park and 20 people at Riverside Park. And now some things are about to change because you won't uh, heed that warning. So we'll hear from IMPD about what it is they are asking of the citizens of Indianapolis. That and so much more to get you caught up on this uh, on this morning's show. But first, let's get you caught up on what's happening this morning in the news. Still haven't received that coronavirus stimulus check? Well, you're not alone. While many Americans received that $1,200 direct deposit from the federal government, many report they have yet to receive their funds or have received the wrong amount. The IRS tells CBS News if you haven't received that stimulus check, it could be tied up with the company that last did your taxes. So if you did your taxes with a company like TurboTax or H&R Block, check with them and make sure your direct deposit information is correct. The stimulus checks were sent back to the bank account you last used to pay your taxes. 
Best Buy says it is furloughing more than 50,000 hourly store employees and an additional 18% of its full-time store and field employees. The furloughs, which begins today, constitute nearly all of the corporation's part-time hourly store employees. Employees who are furloughed will be able to retain their health benefits for the next three months. In addition, the corporate employees are participating in a voluntary reduced work week with resulting in pay cuts. In the forecast, mostly cloudy skies with a high of 61 degrees today. Tomorrow, more of the same with even more sun and a high of 63 degrees. Right now, it is 41 degrees in Indy. So, Ebony, in a minute, we're going to have IMPD here on the phone because we are talking about the continuous uh, warning of social distancing and to... Um, you know, stay apart. You can go outside and enjoy some fresh air, but you shouldn't be crowding the parks with uh, 10 and 20 relatives. And we are hearing from a lot of people that particularly over at Eagle Creek Park, uh, there has been some problems. Yeah, we are having some issues with that. So we definitely want to encourage you all to go out and get your fresh air, as Cameron was sharing, but take care of yourselves and each other by being safe and still practicing social distancing. I know that it's hard when it gets warm outside. Um, I personally love to be out in the sun, but we have to do this in a smart and a very safe way. Um, another thing we would be remiss uh, without mentioning is... Um, our fallen officer, um, Brianne Leith, she was honored with a very beautiful um, service over the weekend. And I just want to give a huge shout out to all of our law enforcement officials. You know, it never is an easy job. And right now we are dealing with so much added stress due to the fact that we're dealing with this virus that is impacting so many people's lives. People are at home more. Um, and unfortunately, everybody's home life is not safe. We're dealing with an uptick um, in some of this intimate partner and domestic um, violence that's happening because people are in such close quarters all the time. And, you know, that was unfortunately one of the situations that led to us losing um, this great officer. So, we want to send much love to her family and to all of our law enforcement um, officials that are out there in the community doing what they do. Yeah, I stood out there for hours in front of the cemetery there at 34th Street and uh, Boulevard Place as you go right into the uh, Crown Hill Cemetery. And mm-hmm. um, it was beautiful when uh, lots of people from the neighborhood came out and uh, showed their support, said that they loved Officer Brianne. Thank you for your service. Um, I've done several stories with people who came into contact with her and mm-hmm. every person talks about one, how beautiful she was, how beautiful her smile was and how beautiful her spirit was. Every person I talked to said that she was compassionate, was always giving them things. One woman told me about how she met Officer Leith at the um, at the Dollar Tree on the east side and she gave her daughter all kinds of coloring books in this teddy bear, which is now named Brie. Oh, wow. And then uh, I talked to another mom who she met on Christmas 2018, and she brought her a bunch of Christmas presents along with uh, a card with $40 inside. So mm-hmm. every person that I talked to has just said nothing but good about her. And we both went to Perry Township schools, so I've got a lot of friends in common with her on Facebook. Wow. And, um, you know, just uh, everybody talking about how much they, they loved her. And I've had our teachers in common mm-hmm talked about how she was in class and so obviously it's it's more than clear that we lost someone great to the IMPD uh force and and to our city so our Mm -hmm. our thoughts are with her family and her young three-year-old son Zane Mm -hmm. um who 
uh, is now unfortunately without his mother. So yeah. thank you again, Officer Brianne Leith, who is now uh, 1042 officially out of service and in her final resting place. Yes. Um, what an impact. Yes, ab- absolutely. And I do believe we have um, IMPD on the phone. Let me check here and see um, if, if we have uh, Major Brian Mahone. Are you there on the phone? Yes, sir. I'm here. Hey, good morning. Hello, you're live. You're live on the air. Sorry, I didn't get to talk to you before the show. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Um, so, you know, we started off the show talking about um, coronavirus, as we ha- have done for the past month. And in our last show, we had folks call in, talk about how they were seeing uh, a lot of people at Riverside Park. And this week I'm hearing about people at Eagle Creek Park. What is the message IMPD wants to share with the city about social distancing in our city's parks? Well, it's important that we social distance. I know as people watch uh, television and they're reading the news about how it sounds like we're getting past this and there's a lot of good news and we, we welcome that good news. We need that good news. But it's important we keep our foot on the gas. We let up too soon. We have to start this all over again because the rate of infection will increase. So we know that there's outdoor spaces. People have to get out of the house. They have to get some air. Uh, but I know that the parks is concerned about people congregating in certain locations. And that was some of the measures they've taken at some of the, uh, the parks across the city. So so what is the can we go to the park? What is the proper procedure? What's the city ordinance and the state laws telling us in the executive orders allowing us to do right now? What we're asking is that people it's not necessarily the parks. When we say parks, we're thinking of a couple of different things. If you're talking about something like Fort Benjamin or Eagle Creek Park, or you're on a walking trail or the Monon Trail, if you maintain that social distance and you're with people who are share your household, the rate of infection or the risk of that is extremely small. I mean, you already live with these people, so if you're outside getting air with them on a trail, uh, you're not looking to uh, come in contact with anybody new. But if you're going to a park that has, say, playground equipment, uh, that pe- playground equipment right now is not being cleaned. Mm-hmm. So oh, wow. the family that was there 15 minutes ago using that slide with their children or their, their teenagers, um, it still has whatever on its surface when you and your family get to that same playground equipment. Uh, we've learned that uh, this virus can last on the surfaces from anywhere from three to seven days. Absolutely. So that's what we're talking about. People going to basketball parks, passing the basketball around to each other. Uh, People going to golf courses, reaching into the flags or the reaching into the hole or touching the golf carts. So that's why some of the outdoor locations are being restricted to assist with keeping social distancing because we've got to keep our foot on the gas so we can get to the other side of this. That is absolutely correct. Um, I think a lot of people, because the initial shock has kind of already come and gone of of this new normal that we're living. Um, it's easy for people to regress and kind of forget that we are still living in the midst of a pandemic. And what you mentioned about the park um, equipment, that's something that we never think of. You know, I've been to the park plenty of times and and didn't think twice about jumping on a sling or, you know, whatever with my friends and my family. So this is something that we really need to pay attention to. How is it being enforced? If you could give us an idea about how IMPD is working with the Parks Department to enforce this social distancing, can you really enforce it? I mean, how is that working out? Well, I tell you, it puts us in a it's a tough spot to enforce um, because uh 
as a police department, we want to make sure that we're not, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a family going out to the park to get some air so that their kids don't go stir crazy um, on a beautiful 65 degree day is something that the police department doesn't want to go there and just, you know, start rounding people up, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. we want to get our parks, our park rangers and our officers to remind people, hey, you know, that you can, you're touching a surface. Uh, remember to social distance, uh, be careful about the equipment you're on. But we have over 200-something parks in Marion County. So as you can see, that would take our police force. That's what they would be doing all day long. And we um, all know you have plenty of other things to focus on um, exactly. because crime is still happening. We still have a lot going on in the city. Um, and speaking of, I really wanted to ask about um, – because we know that we need more officers. I mean, that's just a fact for Indianapolis to be the size city that it is and the type of challenges that we deal with. That is something that has been brought up a number of times um, is increasing our workforce in that way. How are you all working to still be able to respond to emergencies that are non COVID related during this time? And how are you protecting yourselves? Well, uh, over a month ago, when uh, we started going into social distancing, when we got the executive in the emergency order, um, our chief and their executive staff put a plan together that kind of breaks down what it looks like for manpower uh, um, we're put in place uh, to make sure that we can keep our workforce healthy and working. Uh, we restricted some of the things that were more administrative as far as police runs, um, some of the stuff like a VIN check. Uh, to go out to someone's house to check the VIN number on their car so they can get their registration. Um, we know that's important, but being as BMV has uh, delayed a little bit of that, that's not going to necessarily harm anybody. Uh, it'll just be an administrative process we're going to have to do at the end of this. Uh, so, Major Mahone, looks like we're getting a couple of callers um, who, who may have a question about this um, social distancing at the park. Would you mind taking a, a question from a listener? Not a problem at all. All right. Hang on. Let's see who's on line one at 239-9696. Caller, good morning. What's your name? You are live on the air. Uh, Larry Vaughn, Hey, please. Larry. Go ahead. You got 20 seconds, hey, my man. Here, here you go. I just wonder if this is a, a police action officer and the bottom line of any uh, law enforcement action is uh, deadly force. So I think that in the future, if you're ordered to use deadly force to contain the coronavirus, uh, you would do just that. All right, thank Larry you. Vaughn, thank you very much. So off, uh, Major Mahone, let me uh, leave you with this as we wrap this up here. Um, what is the final word? It's going to be 63 degrees out here in Indianapolis today. If folks are want to want to go out and get some fresh air, can they go to the parks? Can they not go to the parks? And what are the simple guidelines and regulations? Because we know folks are going outside today. Well, I got to tell you. Um, I would say go out and get some air. It doesn't necessarily have to be the parks because if they're not going to get on the uh, parks equipment and the playground equipment, a walk around your neighborhood, a walk around the block, um, just getting out and getting air is about the same thing as the, the parks because we don't want to crowd those areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, social distancing doesn't work when there's thousands of people in the same area. You got that so, right. Uh, so get out and get some sun uh, with your family. And uh, make sure you have your uh, nose and mouth mask on to help you 
especially yep. when you start uh, uh, coming into other people. Yep, that has been a huge thing is, you know, you're trying to walk and someone's coming down the sidewalk with you and you know they're doing all that exhaling but nothing over their face. That kind of defeats the whole purpose of, of what you were trying to do. So uh, um, from the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department, uh, Major Mahone, thank you for uh, talking with us this morning and, and getting the folks informed on what we should and should not do as we get outside today. Greatly appreciate it. No problem. Get out there. Stay safe, please. Thank you. All right. So you heard it right there. You can go outside, folks, but uh, keep your social distancing. Keep that masks on. Uh, keep that mask on and have some respect from the folks who are uh, walking down uh, the street against you. Uh, we welcome more callers on that at 239-9696. Um, but, Ebony, before we get mm-hmm. to the sheriff who we're going to talk to at uh, 830, uh, one of the hottest topics that we talked about on uh, the show two weeks ago um, was coronavirus getting into the uh, jails and the prisons here in Indiana. We're at more than yes. 10,000 cases. It's funny because I always go back and listen to the show before we do another show. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we were only at 4,000 cases two weeks ago. You know, things just continue to change. This is an ever uh, rapidly changing uh, world that we're living in uh, with coronavirus and as far as what's going on in our, our prison system and in our jails, the Indiana Department of Corrections announced that there's nearly 100 COVID-19 cases. And we had um, the death of an inmate at the Westville Correctional Facility in LaPorte County last week. Um, as you mentioned on our last show, we got so many calls from family members that were sharing um, thoughts about their family members not being protected that are incarcerated. The same thing happened when I called in to Tina Cosby's show, Community Connections. Um, a young woman called in and had the same complaint about her relative that's in Marion County Jail, too. So I talked with a family, the Harrison family, um, Susan and Sarah Harrison. They are uh, mother and daughter. And um, their relative son slash brother, John Harrison, is serving time in Plainfield Correctional Facility. I want to give you guys full transparency. Sarah is one of my best friends. And we're going to listen in to some clips from an interview that I did with them where they share their unfiltered perspective about what's going on. So in this first clip, um, Susan Harrison, who is the mom. Um, and Sarah, the daughter, are talking about their initial anxiety when the virus uh, found its way into the facility where John is staying. For me, I will say at first it was like a lot of anxiety um, because I just think about my brother's mental health a lot because <clears throat> he's had some struggles and he also works with, he mentors. He's a mentor. In the mental health facility. In the mental health facility at the prison. Wow. So just so him him having to maintain his own mental health as well as, you know, mentor others has mm. been a task on him uh, as a whole. And then he's also recently had some health issues right. uh, that, you know, are not deemed as important because he is an inmate. You know what I mean? Right. So a lot of... A lot of inmates have health issues. He talks, he tells the stories all the time about people who are sick or who uh, are not getting the health attention that they need. Um, so what's very disheartening about this is that, you know, being around inmates who may be affected, <clears throat> infected, I'm sorry, you know, and not being able to do anything about that, you know, mm-hmm. um, I've been hearing I posted today about it and since I posted I've gotten so many inboxes and stories about other people who have inmates and in car- like um, 
family members incarcerated and how they said, oh, my, my cousin saw someone fall out and pass out that was infected with the virus and nothing was done or just different things. And, um, yeah, it's just been a lot. It's a lot to process. When we talked to him today, he was just like saying he he was angry. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's angry. That they would put them in that position. Right. So as you heard, um, and we're going to try to get the volume up on these other clips as well, so you guys can hear them a little clearer. Um, But Susan and Sarah were basically sharing that um, they had been contacted by other people who have family members that are incarcerated. And there's just this feeling of anger that nothing is being done. On this next clip, you're going to hear them share about what what it's like in the facility, um, not having the resources that you need, as they were told by John, that he was not given, you know, proper protective equipment or, or anything that we would normally use on the outside to protect ourselves from that virus. So here is that clip. I have people saying that it was they they were like, is this a plan? Is this a mass? Like, I, is this an idea to get rid of a lot of prisoners? Like, that's because that's what it's coming off as. Unfortunately, right, it's coming right. off as a as an evil <laughs> act, as a plan, like a genocide. Yeah, it's coming off as like, oh, how can we know that this virus is taking out specifically, statistically, right now, black men, <clears throat> and which is what's mostly incarcerated, and, mm-hmm. and and you're putting them all together, and people already have underlying health issues that are not being treated this can be detrimental to them. That's right. Unless God works a miracle for you, you out. John was saying that they don't have provisions either to protect themselves. They don't really have masks. No, they, they don't, don't have masks. No, they don't have anything. To he said that they you. gave them a tiny bar of soap for washing their hands. If you don't have someone who cares about you on commissary to help you get the things that you need, you don't have soap. You don't have things you need. Right. Um, it's just a lot. It's a lot to think about because it's like you already, this is obviously penetrating a lot of people's immune system and you don't have the things you need to clean yourself. The basics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 239-9696, 239-9696. You can uh, continue this conversation. As we said, we uh, were talking about this on the show two weeks ago. Uh, with people uh, having this issue. And we got a number of callers about people letting us know what was going on with their loved ones. Uh, Coming up at 8.30, we're going to be talking with uh, Marion County Sheriff uh, Kerry Forrestal about what's happening uh, inside Marion County's jail system. Um, Ebony, I know you've got uh, more parts of this interview that we're going to show, but um, you've also made contact with the Department of Corrections about I some did, of this, right? I did. So I talked to the Department of Corrections on a number of occasions um, over the phone and via email. And what they told me is that they have began and continue to manufacture face masks in prison facilities. Um, at the time that we talked originally, they said that more than half of the 20, 27,000 offenders had received a mask. And at their rate of production, they would hope that all of them would have them um, by the end of last week. 
As for the gloves, they're not recommended. And they did say that offenders have uh, access to hand sanitizer. Um, I asked them about the, the issue of quarantining prisoners, keeping those that are sick away from those that are well. And they said that they are um, trying to separate the symptomatic offenders, um, but they would not give me specifics on the movement um, due to safety. There is a clip um, right now. I think this next clip is going to be Sarah and Susan saying what they would share with the powers that be about what really needs to be done. I told them a lot of people listen to this show. We we do have the full interview up online and that has been shared with the IDOC. So what would they say to the powers that be about what needs to be done? And then the last clip is John um, speaking from his own world about what's going on. They need to clean up their act. They need to let those people out that have shown that they have changed. That would be a benefit to society. They need to release those and those that are are band together and uh, that need special care. They need to do something for those people. I could really be angry, but you know, thank God, I can sort of, <laughs> I can sort of feel some anger. Yes, some of them deserve to be in there, and some of them don't. But you don't treat people like animals. Indiana, along with probably a lot of prisons, need to clean up their act. I hear a lot of times how. Um the people who are in leadership who are the bullies and just making sure um, they create a lot of the diversion that's within the prison, the people in leadership. So just having the proper people in leadership and because something like this should have never happened. And it's just like a, it always, they say the fish stinks from the head down and that's what's happening right now. And, um, with I don't know what's going on with the warden and how this was even allowed to happen uh, during this pandemic. But I would just say what my mom said, just better leadership, having people in place to more health professionals in place if they can spare that or better guidelines if they can spare that for how to deal with this. Or keep the word. Yeah, keeping their word and not mixing uh, the sick with the well um, Mm -hmm. and... It's just so much that can be done. So on that clip, you heard from Susan and Sarah about what they think needs to be done. um, If they had an opportunity to speak to the powers that be in this last clip, we're going to hear directly from John Harrison, who is an inmate at Plainfield Correctional Facility. Um, He is going to share some really um, uncomfortable details about what his experience was. I did share this with the IDOC and this is what they had to say. It isn't really possible to respond to an allegation made through a third party um, such as on the audio file you shared offenders and family of offenders are able to file complaints which are thoroughly investigated. It does not serve the interests of the Department of Correction to not maintain as safe an environment as possible for each offender as well as for our staff that work in prison facilities and right now we're going to hear from John Harrison inmate at Plainfield Correctional facility. So what happened was as I was rolling to Central Old in a cart, I had all my stuff in a cart. Prisoners were yelling out the window, do not come in here, man. Don't come in here. Just sick people in here. And we're going to keep working on that one because the audio was low on, on that one as well there, Ebony. But 
Uh, we're gonna we're gonna continue to play him in just a second while while I reset that once more. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, you have gotten a couple of callers on this uh, right. topic here on the phone line. So let's go to the phone lines at two three nine nine six nine six, and then we'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll be talking uh, with uh, Marion County Sheriff Kerry Forstall about what about how uh, he is responding to this issue inside the city's uh, jail system. But right now, caller three at two three nine nine six nine six. Good morning. You are live on the air. What's your name? How's it going? Yeah. Good. How are you? And uh, you know, listen, listen to that. It changed my whole thing. I was going to say to you guys, I had something else to say, but I'm going to throw this out here. For, for, since we've had some uh, uh, one real doctor on TV uh, who kind of backtracked now, and one doctor who actually relinquishes uh, medical license in Texas, talking crazy on TV, mm-hmm. and you listen to those chilling uh, texts and conversations. So we've got a terrible undercurrent on on uh, social media and stuff like that. So, we, we, you know, when the first time about she think it's a, uh, is it a concerted plot or something like that? You know, we've got ignorance abounds. I think what we have now going on is folks who are uh, just want to see natural selection happen. You know, mm-hmm. Darwin survival of the fittest. The strong survive and the weak perish. You've got a doctor to get, well, one who relinquishes medical license, get on TV and says, open the schools, it's only going to be 1% to 2% of the children die. So we figure it's probably, when I went to the Census Bureau yesterday and looked around, I estimated between the numbers, it's between 160 and 200 million children in this country. Okay, mm-hmm. if you take children being from uh, all the way to age 17. So if you, if you, if you take those numbers, 2% of 160 to 200 million children, so that's roughly between, what, five, six to seven million children. Mm-hmm. So when is Dr. Field and Dr. Oz going to line up to, to, to pick the first two or three children in their family go ahead and just let them die? And you know, well, we as, brutal as, is, to, yeah, as brutal as that is, yeah, as brutal as that is, it's real. Yeah, it's, it's real. What we have is a mentality now of just forget it, natural selection. Let, yeah. it, let it happen. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, you, you just had Brother Larry Collins said the last use of police action is force. Nobody's going to use any force on anyone in a park. That's, that's this illogical fox mindset going on here. But the prevailing attitude I see now is forget it. Let everything happen. Whoever dies, dies. And whoever lives, lives. And that's the mentality we have now. It's a terrible mentality for yes. supposedly a first-rate country yeah. with first-rate academia and stuff like that to where we've sunken to this mentality of now of just forget it. Let everything happen. Just let 2% of the children die and 2 out of 3 people in your yeah. household die. And forget it. We'll pick up the pieces as it go along. That's the mentality we're getting to right now. It's, mm. it's real, real ignorant, real scary. What do you guys think about that? Thank you. Thank you for your call, Em. It is, it's, it's horrible. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk to Dr. Kane about when we bring her on is some of this ridiculousness that we're hearing. But we're going to go back to that clip with John um, giving us his um, firsthand account of what his experience has been in the prison. So what happened was, as I was rolling to Central Oak in a cart, I had all my stuff in a cart. Prisoners were yelling out the window, do not come in here, man. Don't come in here. There's sick people in here. Okay, so... I, I got upset about it, you know, but I didn't do anything. I didn't put my hands on anybody or anything. I just refused to move into that unit. And so by refusing, they put me in lockup. They had me in a cage where it was blood and vomit in the cage. 
six hours. And then when I went to K-1-8 up, when they moved me into the cell, they moved me into the cell with one of my mental patients that also refused to move. Okay? And the cell is completely dirty. Didn't give us any chemicals to clean up or anything. I have the same clothes on, boxes on, since Monday. I'm finally in a position to take a shower now. But I'm just saying that um, it's, it's not clean. Those men in SAG, those men in lockup, they get a shower once every three days. Those men in Central O, anyone in lock, locked up in cells, they get a shower once every three days. Do not let a superintendent, somebody lie to you. No superintendent is walking through here. So, Ebony, um, over these conversations that you've had with with this family, um, Mm -hmm. again, I wanted you to talk about the response that you got once more from the Department of Corrections after we just played that. Um, As this is a real situation, we know there have been a number of, of coronavirus cases inside of our jails and prisons. We know that at least one inmate up in Westville in Northwest Indiana has passed away Mm -hmm. uh, after contracting coronavirus uh, up there. Um, And so what is the response when you took that actual audio clip, sent it to the powers that be at the Indiana Department of Corrections, what was the response that you got back? So again, this is the response that I got back. Um, I was told that it isn't possible for them to respond to an allegation made through a third party, um, even though one of the parties on that clip is the actual inmate. Um, But they said it was impossible to respond to an allegation. And this is what else they said. Offenders and family of offenders are able to file complaints, which are thoroughly investigated. It does not serve the interest of the Department of Correction to not maintain as safe an environment as possible for each offender, as well as for our staff that work in prison facilities. Um, That is the email that I received after I sent them this audio. Um, I will say that Susan Harrison, John's mother, has written several letters. She is consistently calling to the prison to speak with the people that run their medical facilities, et cetera, to speak on behalf of her son and other inmates that are experiencing issues. Um, I talked with Sarah just the other day and she shared that they are still hopeful, um, but John is not doing well um, physically. So he is, is he's feeling sick. But they are hopeful and prayerful that he will be able to um, recover from whatever it is he's dealing with. All right. Yeah, that's one of the realities of what is happening in our system right now as we go through this global issue of a health pandemic. That was one case that's happening inside of the Indiana Department of Corrections, the prison level. Uh, Coming up on the other side of this break, we are going to ask that question to uh, Marion County Sheriff uh, Kerry Forrestal. We know that there have been some uh, situations happening inside of the county's jails as well. Uh, So we will talk about how he is responding uh, to what's going on uh, under the area that he supervises when the open line show on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3 continues. Let's get back to open lines. Your eye on the community on Hot 96.3.
Hi, this is Oshia Boyd, editor of the Indianapolis Reporter newspaper and Indiana Minority Business Magazine. You're listening to Open Lines with Ebony Chappelle and Cameron Riddle. And we're back here on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3, continuing the conversation about coronavirus. One, the topic we've been talking about uh, for the past month uh, as we go through this global pandemic. And Ebony, as we talked about throughout this past half hour, uh, there has been an issue. There is an issue inside of Indiana's jails and prisons. And uh, you talked with the family of someone who has been there in the jails at the a Plainfield Correctional Facility on the state level. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also know that this has been an issue happening in our county's jails across the state. Um, and so uh, to take it to a different level, uh, we have um, the Marion County Sheriff, Kerry uh, Forrestal, standing by um, here on the phone uh, with us this morning to talk about the issues that's happening inside of the county system and how they are combating it to protect the uh, employees, the correctional workers, as well as the inmates. The sheriff joins us right now. Sheriff, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having. Uh, thank you for uh, speaking with with us about this issue that really only you can uh, give us the firsthand knowledge about. So, what is the current situation um, inside uh, Marion County Jail right now? Well, let's say go do the. Primary concern would probably be people uh, have, who may have coronavirus or have been tested positive coronavirus. Right now, we have a total of 13. That's 12 at the core civic, which a lot of people would call jail two or the private jail, and one at the main Marion County Jail. Uh, important note of that is nine of the 13 are scheduled to be removed from quarantine between April 17th and April 19th. All the others are scheduled to be removed between April 25th and 28th. We have quarantined some other inmates as precautions due to the contact with others, uh, inmates in the jail. But right now, we don't show any other signs or symptoms. But the Marion County Board of Health tested 35 inmates, and the results are pending. And we're hoping to have the results of that on Sunday or Monday. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that um, overview with us. We uh, would also like to know, because when in the last segment, when we were talking about that family who has a, a loved one who's an inmate at Plainfield Correctional Facility, one of the things that they mentioned is that um, at that time, the inmates didn't have what they need in the way of mask, in the way of um, proper soap or other um, resources to clean the areas that they lived in. What are inmates being provided at the Marion County jails and what else is being done to protect inmates and staff, especially with that transition from the ones that are quarantined to being put, I assume, back into um, the general population? I do appreciate you pointing out there is the difference between the jail and the state prison. Uh, People in the state prison have been found guilty and it's handled by the state. Vast majority of the people that are in our jail are still awaiting trial. Mm-hmm. So the people have not been found guilty of anything. And so we don't take away their rights. The courts hold them prior to the trial. But uh, we've had continued communications with the state health department, the board of health uh, for, for good practicing. We have uh, Dr. Virginia Kane at the board of health. We had her in to our jail three weeks ago, right off the beginning. Uh, so she could personally give us the best guidance, had all of our entire staff in there. 
We also refer Dr. Doss, who is out at the Department of Corrections. She has a lot of good guidance that we want to have. We've had great guidance on the state level. I think the governor's done a good job. I haven't been so impressed with any of the guidance nationally, but we'll skip past that. But we have... Uh, yeah, there's a lot have, that could be said there. Yeah, there's there's a lot can be said there. It'll be great, probably the rest of your show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, the inmates have been given cloth masks. We initially gave them the surgical mask, but that's, that's going to be short-lived, and it was not CDC, the Center for Disease Control's guidance. They recommended cloth masks. That way they can be washed. We've given them continuous education on practices, and from what I understand, it's working that some of the... Uh, other people, when they come into the new housing unit, will point out to the, uh, the person who's joined what the rules are to keep safe. They don't want it either. Either uh, We've provided extra mm-hmm. soap. We ordered two ultraviolet machines um, several weeks ago. As a matter of fact, they just arrived yesterday. Those machines were $40,000 a piece, and we're hoping that we get 75% of the money back to the taxpayer through the Stafford Act at this been approved by Congress. And for but those for those that are thing. listening that sorry to interrupt, but for those that are listening that might be unaware about what those machines are used for, um, could you shed some light on uh, on that for us? And also, if you have any questions, give us a call at 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. But on those ultraviolet machines. Sure. And actually, um, most of us have not been experts in this, but had to learn this you know, since this has begun a couple month and a half ago, but the UV machines, one of the best things you could look at almost like a microwave, mm-hmm. uh, the place where people enter the jail, you know, we're going to be constantly have new people in there, what we can do with that. And we've done it with it. When we brought the test sample is you have people leave, you turn it on. It's like a, a suntan booth. Let's say that it's for 45 minutes. It will toast anything that's in there. We keep people out of there for two to three hours, and that should have killed just about everything. Uh, So we start back with a fresh, and every time we have an exposure to that, now that machine, both machines will be available. Okay. Okay. So I think that's been that's pretty looking to be buying something like that, but I'm glad that we we will have that. And Deputy Chief Creer, our jail commander, informed me it did arrive last night, or both of them arrived last night. Uh, Sheriff, um, as far as um, the actual spread of coronavirus, it it seems in theory, you know, when we talk about it, we say, you know, once it's in there, it spreads like wildfire. Is that uh, truth being that uh, from from your point of view, being in the actual system? No, I don't believe it is. Now, you can see some hot spots. I saw Cook County Jail in Chicago. We hope to never have that. We've taken some advanced steps, we believe. We know it's a highly contagious. That's because the second we find it, we isolate those people and uh, get them away from each other. Because it is no doubt very highly contagious. If you've seen with people on the street who've begun to wear the mask, and anytime mm-hmm. you can, you know, do social safe distancing now, which becomes more difficult in the jail, no doubt. We can't give everyone six feet space and walk around because there is going to. But we also have our deputies that have to deal with that too. So, but we take every step we can to minimize. And I think there's some degree, the population is protected by only the people who come back in. So if somebody new is brought in as an arrest, which are way down, uh, we're able to isolate them right at the beginning. We check their 
signs and their temperatures. Every shift begins the jail for anybody who works in there. We take their temperature and interview them for any symptoms so that we don't introduce it into the system. Now, are they wearing gloves or masks as well? They are. They are. They're wearing cloth masks. And then if they're wearing, if they are taking care of somebody who is already tested positively, they have a gown, they have masks, and they have the N95 mask, the same as the the doctors and nurses you may have seen us that that cup shape that we that uh, is even stronger. Mm-hmm. Sheriff Forrestal, thank you so much. Um, as we wrap up, a lot of people have brought up this point, um, and it seems to kind of have faded away um, from some of the press conferences. And that is the idea of releasing. Um, low-level offenders or people who are nearing the end of their sentence when it comes to the jail system. Um, as you mentioned, like a lot of these people haven't been feel, found guilty. They are awaiting, you know, that time. What are your thoughts on, um, especially because we know that the jails are crowded, um, what are your thoughts on, on that, on releasing some of those low-level offenders? Is that at all possible? What can you Absolutely. share with us? Absolutely. We began that. We began that on March 16th. Okay. We were right forward with that. Met with the judges. Met with the prosecutor. Met with the deputy, uh, the public defenders. We've been able to reduce the population of the jail, which in March 16th would have been 2,151 people. Mm-hmm. Now that's down another 700. So we have dramatically reduced that cooperation to where, uh, if if somebody could be released and pinned to another date they have been. Uh, we went back through the system to look, is there anybody at high risk over 60 with a minimum sentencing of less than 90 days? There, that was one person left at that criteria. We've had great cooperation with law enforcement. Uh, the prosecutor's office has authorized that tickets be given to people for less than felony, and uh, that's reduced probably 67% the number of new coming misdemeanor arrests that have come to the to the jail. So I think that we've really dramatically reduced that population. Sheriff, would you mind taking a caller or, or two who would have a question for you? Sure. All right, let's sure. see who this is on line three. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air on the open line show. Who's this? Hello? Yes, Hello? who's this? Yeah, my name is, uh, I'm calling for my girlfriend. My name is Courtney Riley. Um, I was deeply concerned for the fact that um, she had an active open warrant, and uh, she turned herself in, which committed to turn herself in, and she was hospitalized prior to that, and she has a uh, underlying medical condition, and she's, uh, like, her health is not really great. Um, she was hospitalized for a blood infection. They, uh, when they, she was supposed to be released from the hospital, they uh, um, came and picked her up, and took her down to the Marion County Jail. Now, I just don't feel like it's fair. Somebody should have to die when they're trying to do the right thing and turn themselves in. And uh, they, they don't want to release her. She's been to court. They're not trying to release her. I just feel like um, if a person was trying to turn themselves in and uh, get, the, get the process rolling and, and, and change their life around, why would they keep them in there if they were trying to uh, resolve the whole situation in the first place? It's and not so, like they're going to keep up. Uh, and so what's, what's your it. name? My name is Shelton Brown. Okay, Shelton. The sheriff is on uh, is on the line with us now. Remind you, we're on the radio so everybody can hear, and I just say that as we're talking about something personal with with, gotcha. uh, with, with your girlfriend. Um, yep. the, the sheriff is there. Sheriff, is there something that 
uh, a way to respond to that? I, and we don't know, is this a, is she a low level offender? Does she fit into that criteria that the sheriff has talked about? Shelton. Yep. Shelton, is she a low level offender and fits into that category like the sheriff talked about? Uh, yes, she is a low level offender, but the current charges are um, actually, uh, I believe, is she has a felony charge, but her uh, act, the history is a low level. She doesn't qualify. She's not a serious violent felon or anything like that. Okay, I'll let the sheriff uh, respond. Sheriff. Shelton, we don't want people in jail that we don't have to have in jail, absolutely. And the fact that she turned herself in, you may be familiar with the safe surrender program that we do do 24 hours, seven days a week now. It's 327-SAFE. And when people take that step, that's one of our goals, just minimize any time they have to. This was before the coronavirus. We want them to set for a future date. Now, a judge makes that decision. We probably don't want to discuss her case particulars. But if she fulfills that, we want her out. If a judge has sit, sat there and reviewed the case, then we have to go with what the judge says. But the last thing we want to do is have more people in there than we must have in there. So if you have any questions, you can call 327-1575, 327-1575, and bring her name up. Ask them to find her charges on there to be sure that what she may be telling you is her charges are accurate because if she can be out, we want her out. Okay, thanks. Thanks a lot. I just wanted to shed light on the situation, man, because, um, you know, people are trying to change their lives, resolve situations, mm-hmm. and nobody's trying to die about doing the right thing. For you know? sure. For sure. Thank you so much for your call, Shelton. Shelton, we appreciate you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. And that's right. the beauty of this show, uh, Ebony and Sheriff, Absolutely. that we can connect folks uh, like Shelton and the Sheriff to have that uh, conversation, although details intimate, you know, that's, that's the important part of this platform. So, Sheriff, thank you for uh, directing him to uh, a place where he could get further information as well as answering his question. Well, can I mention just a minute that if if he wants to call uh, that 327 safe, that's Pastor Clay of the Messiah Missionary Baptist Church. If you feel more comfortable talking to a member of the clergy, that's 327 safe. Pastor Clay answers that phone 24 hours a day. And if he can give guidance that if this would have been somebody who fit the program, we can help him through the system on that also. All right. right. We have another caller. No, uh, actually, we've got we've we've got more callers, but we're up against the clock. We've got to go because we've got (laughs) Dr. Virginia Kane coming up here at nine o'clock. But, Sheriff, uh, just again, thank you for the thorough answer for Shelton and having this conversation with us, as well as uh, doing what you can to. Uh, keep uh, our, our loved ones, our, our brothers and sisters who work in the department or who may be uh, incarcerated in the system right now, but mm-hmm. they're looking to you to keep them safe. And so we appreciate you letting us know what it is you're doing. Absolutely. And real quick, I'd like you to say uh, thank you to Dr. Kane. She's been a wonderful to help us through this. All yes. right. <laughs> we will we will relay that message because we're going to talk with her uh, as soon as we come back from the uh, commercial break. So we will relay that message. And, Sheriff, we will uh, we'll have to stay in touch. And as this thing continues, this isn't over yet. We they say we haven't reached the peak. We're getting there. Uh, but we it sounds like we still have a long way to go. So we will uh, keep tabs and keep touch. Thank you, Sheriff. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. All right.
Uh, Marion County Sheriff Kerry uh, Forrestal joining us live this morning here on the Open Line Show, telling us what is happening inside of the Marion County uh, Jail uh, when it comes to coronavirus and what it is they are doing uh, to combat it. So uh, as we uh, tease there, uh, Marion County Public Health Director Dr. Virginia Kane will be returning to the show. We last had her on a month ago. Yes, when all of this first happened, yes. we had her on, and she is what sparked this two-hour um marathon that we've been doing um, for the past several weeks because the show was so rich and we got so much great information. So we are grateful to have Dr. Kane with us um, and we are looking forward to hearing from her when we come back. And for those of you who are on the phone, I see you there. We're going to get to you when we come back from the commercial break. You can get your questions ready uh, for the literal expert on infectious diseases. Dr. Virginia Kane shall be right here on the open line show on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. We're back for the nine o'clock hour after this. WHHHFM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. Good morning and thank you for tuning in to Open Lines here on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. Ebony Chappelle here with Cameron Riddle as we get ready to continue into our second hour, the nine o'clock hour, uh, this hour with Dr. Virginia Kane, who is standing by on the phone lines. Ebony, we want people to get those questions ready. Absolutely. We had such a good conversation last month when we had the doctor on uh-huh. and we want to she continue She made that. sure we were straight. She made sure we were good. I left here even as you know a radio host and journalist and all of that and being um embedded with this stuff 24 7 i left that conversation feeling very very prepared to uh survive COVID 19 the best way i can so we want to say thank you to her for joining us again if you missed any of the last hour of the show we talked a lot about coronavirus invading our prisons and our jails locally and we heard from a family who had a firsthand experience with that as well as some callers who called in and shared their thoughts so we want to encourage you to follow us on social media that's open line show on facebook twitter and instagram we have the show up on our website as well as apple Podcasts and soundcloud but right now we're going to talk to the real doctor yeah there's a lot of false doctors out here running around talking crazy and we're going to get into that later but yes we're with our real doctor dr virginia kane who's going to get us together yeah she is and it is because of what is happening right now we are not at the peak yet we're going to ask her about all of that but right now yeah. uh we're going to get you caught up on what is happening with the news this morning when it comes to corona Coronavirus. Indiana now has 10,641 confirmed cases of coronavirus. Indianapolis Marion County now has 3,624 confirmed cases. Lake County in northwest Indiana has now topped the 1,000 mark. In central Indiana, Hamilton County now reports 563 cases. Hendricks County now reports 435. And Johnson County to the south now reports 393. The death rate for African Americans in Indiana is 17% despite making up only 10% of the state's population. 
Coronavirus has now been confirmed in all of Indiana's 92 counties, but despite that spread, Indiana leaders want to stress that the hospitals and ambulances will still take care of you, even if you have a non-coronavirus issue. Indiana health leaders say they have seen a decrease in 911 runs and emergency room visits for problems not related to the coronavirus. They have also seen an increase in people dying in their homes of heart attacks. In Johnson County, hospitals are reporting emergency room counts are down by as much as 50 percent. Indiana State Health Commissioner Dr. Christina Box attributed those changes to people not wanting to get infected while sitting in waiting rooms and not wanting to burden the medical system. But they stress if you need help to call 911. In the forecast, mostly cloudy skies with a high of 61 degrees. Tomorrow, more of the same with even more sun and a high of 63. Right now, it is still chilly at 43 degrees in Indy. And so, Ebony, as we talked about there, yes. um, so much still going on. Not at the peak yet. Over 10,000 yeah. confirmed cases It uh, is not time to ease up on that gas. As we heard earlier um, from Major Mahone with uh, IMPD, we have to remain vigilant with our social distancing and everything because this is still a very, very real situation. So with that said, we know what's going on now with these cases continuing to climb. So now let's uh, talk about that with the expert. And of course, we welcome your phone calls at 239-9696. I see the phone lines already ringing. So I know people have questions for Dr. Kane, and we will answer those in just a second. But first, the doctor, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We are so good and so glad to have you back with us here on the air. How are you feeling? I'm doing pretty good. That's good to hear because you are one busy woman. You know, you are everywhere doing all the things and making sure that our city is as safe as it possibly can be. So it's so glad. It's so good to hear that you are doing well. Um, What can you tell us? It was about a month ago that we talked to you and had you on the show. um, But what can you tell us about where we are right now? Give us a, a bird's eye view of what coronavirus looks like in the city of Indianapolis currently. So technically, um, you know, we sh- I just want to remind people, today is April the 19th, and yeah. I believe our very first case of the coronavirus was like around about March the 5th, I believe. So just in... Um, not even two months, mm-hmm. we already have 3,624 cases of coronavirus, of which, unfortunately, we've had 190 uh, individuals die. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is a very, very serious um, illness. And taking and into know, consideration, we don't have all the numbers because of how testing operates. So we that could be just a fraction of what we're really dealing with. This is so true. So we just were able, just our health department, we were finally able to be able to get some COVID-19 testing about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And two weeks ago, we tried to start testing our essential workers, so like our uh, indie bus drivers, um, uh, folks who uh, do our utility, uh, the law and uh, first responders, uh, testing them and their and their families. So, if you're pet lovers of veterinarians uh, and their staff, and you mm-hmm. know, no matter what they say, 
you have to have information, information. So people like our IT people uh, working out of the city, those folks are critical for all our operations to run. So really trying to get and test the essential services, we are desperately trying to now identify more tests so we can start soon testing the general public. Well, Dr. And I'm hoping that David has some good news about that, if, if not next week at the latest, within 10 days related to that. Okay. All right, Doctor. Well, I've got a number of questions for you. I know Ebony does, and we know folks on the phones uh, have questions for you, too. So uh, we've got people who are standing by at 239-9696 with questions for Dr. Virginia Kane. You can get in line as well, 239-9696. Uh, let's see who's on line one. Good morning. You're live on the air. What's your name and what's your question? Yeah, William, and uh, my, my, uh, I would like to ask the doctor about do mosquitoes carry this disease, too, because if if they do, I live right across down the street from Brook Park School, and they got a big old pond out there, and nobody ever sprays that. I call in every year. You can't sit outdoors in your backyard or nothing for mosquitoes. And uh, if you do, you have to have on a, a armor suit. I like to know. I like to know. You know what? What can be done about that? Because that, that needs spraying up there every summer. Thank you for your call, William. Dr. Kane, what do you have to share on that? So uh, let me just, where is this pond located now? Behind what school? Brook, Brook Park. Brook Park School up here in Lawrence. In Lawrence. So we yes, have something right. special that's called uh, mosquito. We have something special that's called mosquito fish. So spraying across the pond doesn't help as much. Uh, you do want to spray close to the surface of the pond because people might be, I don't know what type We're, of pond it's for the fish or anything, but there's something called mosquito fish that we put in ponds. And what it is, these are fish that just love mosquitoes. And so a lot of mosquitoes will land on the surface of the water and even they will um, basically um, have their babies in a sense uh uh, in that water, and these mosquito fish are just very efficient, eating up all the mosquitoes. Now, some ponds um, are not public ponds, and so we're not always allowed to put the mosquitoes uh, fish in those ponds, but um, I will please call us again because I don't understand why uh, uh, we where, can't where have ma'am, mosquito uh, fish. The point of the mosquito fish. Okay. That's a school up there, and that's a public school. And, um, and I call in every year, and I can't say that in my backyard. It really, that's a school up there. I don't know why they don't fill that up. It's it, it just up there for decoration purposes. And, uh, so it, it really don't need to be there. And so, and I call in every year, but nothing ever be done, ma'am. Well, I can, let me say, sir, I know the superintendent of uh, Lawrence Township schools very well. I'm happy to have that conversation with him next week about that particular pond. Um, and you said behind a Lawrence Township school. Yeah, he said Brook Park School, Dr. Kane. Yeah, and it's good to have those connections. Um, Wanted to highlight his other um, initial question about is the virus transmissible? 
so so far that we are aware of, uh, we have not been able to document that this mosquitoes transmit this particular virus. But I hate to tell you this, this is early yet. So mm-hmm. the mosquitoes will start to be coming out now. So I can't tell you 100% that it doesn't transmit. I can only just tell you currently right now, it's not been known to transmit the uh, the virus. But you need to ask that question one month from now as the season gets warmer mm-hmm. and we have more mosquitoes out there to transmit. Absolutely. 239 You have a question for the doctor. You can uh, uh, dial that number. We'll get you connected right now here on the Open Line Show. We have another caller for Dr. King. Caller on line two. Let's press that button. Button's been sticking all day on me today. Ebony. We need hold on. new buttons. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm trying to get it. There it is. All okay, right. caller on live too. Good morning. You're live on the air. Good morning. This is Tim. How you doing, you wanna, Tim? You want to put me back on hold? I'll wait because I don't have a question for the doctor. I just wanted to give you an update on the parks. Okay, give me. Uh, uh, well, we talk. Well, what, what's the update on the parks? We talked about that in the last hour, and that's still. Uh, yeah. And it's going to be nice today, so people might be trying to get out. But, yeah. yeah, what's going on? The update that I give on the parks is Eagle Creek and Riverside. Riverside has been totally shut down. Eagle Creek has not been totally shut down. They shut the entrance down. The exit is still open. You can't get into the park, but you can park along that exit. And there was, I've seen 100 people, nobody with masks. There was some social distancing because they were walking in two and three groups. So that has helped a little bit. But And this was at Eagle Creek, you said, where you saw the 100 people or where? Yeah, Eagle Creek, okay. there was at least 100 people. And what they've done is they blocked off the entrance open so you can get back and park in the, the driveway leading up to the gatehouse. But mm-hmm. what they have not done is a place across the street called the Mayor's Garden and there was 75 cars out there. So, I mean, at Riverside, they blocked it off, and you can't do anything out there. They didn't do that at Eagle Creek. And, you know, I'm concerned about the employees as a former employee out there. I still have friends out there, and the employees don't have a voice right now. So yeah. that's well, what Tim, I'm... thank you so much for sharing. And, you know, that is it's important because there's so many different areas that are being impacted right now, whether it's um, the employment of some of our um you know, people that are used to working and doing these things, um, but also with maintaining that social distance. So, Dr. Kane, we mentioned earlier the weather is warming up. Um, the initial shock has worn off for some people. Uh, some people just frankly have cabin fever really, really bad and still want to be out and about. What can you say to urge us to stay vigilant when it comes to the social distancing um, because we are not at that safe spot yet? So let me just say, you can be outside uh, in a park as long as you are keeping your distance from other individuals. You have a little protection with the air being outside, and as long as you're six feet away, so if you're walking or you're jogging, but you just can't uh, be within six feet of another individual. It's tough when the weather gets uh, nice and you've been uh, cooked up uh, for a number of months. It, it's just very hard. But I just have to tell you, as our cases increase, even at a higher risk of being exposed to someone uh, compared to when we just had a couple of hundred of cases. But we're now 
over 3,600 cases. And that's just like you said earlier, that may be just the tip of the, of the, um, the number of cases because we haven't had widespread testing available for everybody. These are the folks who are uh, the sickest that we are identifying, but we may have a number of folks out there that are spreaders of mm-hmm. this infection. And that they are asymptomatic. Very, they have no symptoms, yeah. but they can be very contagious and spreading infections to others. Absolutely. So I really encourage people, if you can, find a face mask. Do not be out in public without a face mask. Yes. Uh, doctor, can you talk more about that? Uh, again, when you were here a month ago, a lot has changed. It's like a lifetime mm-hmm. uh, since since we last talked a month ago here on this show. And at the time, they were telling us face masks would not be effective. Now you uh, get weird looks when you're at Meyer and you don't have uh, a face mask on. So that's the way we should be operating now, right? So definitely. So I won't say that it's not effective. It's just not there are like three types of masks. There's the the most protective mask is called a N95 mask. It's designed to prevent you from getting tuberculosis if someone is coughing with tuberculosis. It's a mask that gets very small particles. And those are the ones that we encourage hospital personnel to use mm-hmm. because they are the ones most frequently interacting with coronavirus patients in their hospital since um, 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 where they work, in their work environment. And so they're exposed, you know, a, a lot of healthcare workers, they work 12-hour shifts. They don't work eight-hour shifts. So they even have a higher exposure of a lot of people coming in their hospital that have coronavirus. And if we don't have... Those guys in the hospital, we can't take care of anybody that's sick, whether it's coronavirus, you're having a heart attack or asthma uh, attack or stroke. Absolutely. Um, so we need them to be safe. Yeah, indeed. Now, the next mask is called a surgical mask. And it's, it's very decent, and a lot of hospital workers use that because our N95 mask supply uh, is not available. So that's the most next protective um, mask in terms of preventing this infection. But a face mask, which people wear, uh, it's it's not as effective as the surgical mask and the N95 mask, but it is definitely more protective than having no mask at all. Yes. Okay. So a lot of these cloth masks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So definitely wear a face mask if you can get your hands on one. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, have seen a number of uh, local businesses. We have one called Stitchworks um, that is a local business that's been making PPE for um, primarily medical professionals at Eskenazi. But I've seen all sorts of boutiques start carrying reusable cloth masks that you can put your own um, filter into if you can get a hold of filters. So there are options. Um, One thing that I really wanted to have you weigh in on, Dr. Kane, um, last week we saw a lot of TV doctors is what I'll call them. So you had your Dr. Oz, Dr. Phil, different people like that getting on television and basically um, advocating for the reopening of the country and making light 
of the numbers of people that could potentially die if we moved so quickly. We even had a protest over the weekend outside the governor's house with people demanding that um, the state be reopened in a way so that they could get back to their life as normal. Um, We are going to continue seeing that. I just want to have you weigh in about the seriousness of taking our time when it comes to this reopening and returning to, well, not even returning because I personally don't believe we're ever going to go back to where we were before. We'll just be into a new normal, but just want to have you talk about the urgency of leadership and people that run businesses taking their time when it comes to this whole reopening conversation. Well, I know it's a really tough situation for a lot of businesses, especially um, uh, our African-American businesses, um, small businesses, because I, I want to get back to the fact, too, that, you know, the stimulus package for small businesses, a lot of our small businesses, by the time they've in Detroit, a lot of the minorities trying to get money, it was already gone. Same here in Indianapolis. It was gone before a lot of businesses were able to get anything that they had applied for. Right. Yeah. And so, and then they have all these requirements a lot of times that Mm -hmm. makes it a huge barrier and challenge for a lot of African-American businesses to even get funding. But listen, they wanted to go back to, um, they wanted to go back to the way it was. Then you're going to see our number of deaths go off the charts in terms of people getting infected and people being sick. And so they may, they may say, Ooh, they may be good for like a one month or two months, but then all that progress that we made in slowing down the disease and we eventually want to see the downturn in the deaths occurring, it's going to be all for North. Uh, all that would have been wasted. And then we may have even a higher peak of cases, a higher peak of deaths. And all they're going to say is, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was going to be like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to kill um, one of the, uh, my pastor, or I didn't want to kill my employee that's working for me, you know, I, I just didn't believe these folks, and I'm just shocked that all these folks are now dying. Two three nine nine six nine six two three nine nine six nine six. We are on the air this morning with Marion County Public Health Director and infectious infectious disease expert, uh, Doctor Virginia Kane, uh, who is right now giving the warning about uh, opening things back up too quickly. Doctor, we have several calls for you on the phone. Um, so we're going to come back to that point of reopening the economy because that's our, our our next, the the spot we're going next. But I want to uh, get to these callers who are waiting for you. Uh, there are several. Let's start with this caller on line one. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air. What's your name? Good morning. This is Daryl. I was wondering about uh, the resurgence as well and the fact that I heard a story that um, you can get the coronavirus again. They said about 111 people in China uh, caught the coronavirus again. I was wondering if the doctor could talk about that. Thank you, Daryl. Doctor? So you know what? That's a, that's a major concern to us because what that suggests is uh, that there are different strains of this coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Just 
influenza has about three different strains. And so the only thing that protects you against those three strains is we have a vaccine that specifically provides protection for um, influenza A, influenza B, and influenza H1N1. So that's very frightening and concerning for us that these people are getting reinfected, and it suggests that, um, um, one, we may not have as much immunity. Let's just say I got this infection and I produced antibodies or proteins, my body's response to try to fight off this infection. You, those people who've had the infection may not be protected from getting another coronavirus. So they're in, the, they're in the lab now at NIH trying to look at that very carefully to see whether um, what's the reason why they're getting infected. And I think we will find that it's going to be a different strain. Like It's sort of like you're in the family, and it's a different sibling. You're just a little bit different enough uh, in the family to cause the serious disease that's three times as contagious as influenza. It's three times as contagious as influenza. Mm. Uh, so uh, we're just going to have to wait and see what the research shows related to these individuals. 239-9696, 239-9696. We have more callers on the line, on the air with Dr. Virginia Kane talking about coronavirus and answering your questions. Let's see who this is on line two. Caller, good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Is that me? That's you. How how are you? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you all. This is Donna. Hi, Donna. Uh, first of all, Dr. Kane, thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the front lines and being um, honest and just forthright with the information that you're giving to the community. So thank you. Quickly, my thank, two thank you. questions. Um, the, the question number one, each day we get the briefing with numbers. And so we see the numbers going up. However, my question is, those are those numbers clearly related to first responders, essential people, spouses or whatever, and not the general public? That's question number one. And if that's the okay, case. Okay, so sorry, I can barely hear you. I don't uh-oh. know if the radio can turn up his, his uh, uh, volume for me. Let me try this again. How's this? Any much better? better. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do it real quick. The numbers that we get each day, are they strictly uh, the numbers of individuals um, that are ill and are first responders and or essential workers? The average public, they are not in those numbers. Is that correct? Number That's two, incorrect. So the numbers that you're seeing is the mixture of everybody. Predominantly, patients uh, in the hospitals uh, that the numbers that you're seeing. So it's all mixed in there together. But not the general public like me if I want to walk out the door and go get it. Well, it is the general public in a sense because, unfortunately, when you get sick, it has all of the hospital people. uh, It has all the people who are hospitalized. So, yes. And okay, we, not to take up any they more do time. have a breakdown. Uh, I'll give you one preliminary 
information that you may not have. It's going to be announced next week, but we know that of the number of people who've been tested, at least in Marion County, 45% of them are African-Americans. So we are getting people, but we're getting the ones who are the sickest that are a lot of them are requiring hospitalization, but they may also be part of the frontline folks too. And Dr. Kane, and Dr. Kane, she had a second question. Donna, ask your second question. Just real quick. Let me just, let me just add this last one right quick too. Go ahead. Uh, uh, African-Americans make up 30% of this community, but yet they make up 45% of all the coronavirus cases in Marion County. And that's alarming. So we're disproportionately making up the coronavirus cases in Marion County. Okay, sorry. Let me get your second question. If you, if nothing, if we take nothing else away from uh, the show today from you, what is the one thing that you want our community to know uh, in order to be better stewards about trying to arrest this crisis? Thank you. If I had to say. And I think that you have to continue to educate your significant others, your family, friends, and your colleagues. So please be cautious out there uh, in the community. And I always want everyone to take care of our most vulnerable populations, so especially our seniors. But can you be checking on our seniors to make sure that, hey, they may have difficulties going to get food from the grocery stores or essential services, like uh, going to a pharmacy and getting their medications. And I want you to plan. So, like, if you are uh, a grocery shopper, I used to go to the grocery store every two or three days. Try to plan and get as much of your groceries uh, for at least a week, and even better, two weeks, so you don't have to be out in the public as much. Uh, and so that you're less exposed. Hey, is somebody having a birthday party? You know, I I feel for you wanting your child to have a happy birthday, but don't let a number of kids come into your home that they may be bringing coronavirus to your child or other members in your home, especially uh, your your grandparents. And uh, please keep your teenagers. Uh, entertain where they're not out in the public, riding the buses, you know, just having free rides. They're putting themselves at risk as well. So it takes a lot of thought to keep a teenager entertained Mm -hmm. but within the house. And Dr. Kane, Donna, thank you for your call. And Dr. Kane, thank you so much for giving us those great tips. Um, It's just going to take a little bit more sacrifice on our part to keep our community safe. And I want to talk with you about that race data um, and some of the um, suggestions that have come out from the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus when we come back from break. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. Dr. Kane, stay there for a second while we go pay a couple of bills. We'll continue this conversation and continue taking your calls at 239-9696. You're listening to the Open. Open Line Show on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC. Keeping you connected to what's happening in our city. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3.
Welcome back. Welcome back to Open Lines here on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. Ebony Chappelle and Cameron Riddle here talking with the doctor, Virginia Kane, infectious disease expert and the director of the Marion County Public Health Department. We are also taking your calls. So give us a call at 317-239-9696. Once again, that's 317-239-9696. And before we jump back into those calls, before we went to break, um, there were some questions and comments about the case numbers, Cameron. So mm-hmm. the number of cases that we're getting in the state. Um, but specifically, talking about what's happening with black people, we are disproportionately being impacted um, by this disease across the nation. And the state is no different. Um, the Indiana State Department of Health released some numbers. Um, we make up about 9.8% of the state population, but we count um, as nearly 20% of deaths and positive cases. Um, Dr. Kane, there are a number of recommendations coming out specifically from the um, Indiana Black Legislative Caucus. So I wanted to have you weigh in on this. They're asking for a health disparity task force. They want specifically testing and triage centers placed in black neighborhoods, um, hazard pay. They want to analyze this data They want an outreach campaign, just so many other things, anti-racism training for health workers. Um, I know that you've been in conversation with them as well. What can you share with us about, one, the race data, and then also um, what is being looked at in terms of um, solution-oriented measures to protect Black people in the state of Indiana? Well, I think that the key thing is is that I think we need to look across the state of Indiana and look where we have our predominant African-American population. Mm -hmm. So you know that Lake County just hit over 1,000 cases. And they they honestly are at a higher risk than we are here in uh, Indianapolis. So even though we have uh, nearly 300,000 African Americans living in Marion County, uh, when you go to like places like Gary, you know, there are almost over ninety percent African Americans uh in in those in those counties up there. So they're very, very vulnerable. And we've got to make sure we're advocating and we've got to get started testing in our neighborhoods. And I think the trick what helps you with the um with the data is, because uh, we're also trying to do a what you call a GPS map, mm-hmm. uh, you need to know where your hot spots are in the in your in your community. So based on the hot spot, that's where you want to aim first uh, for your testing. Based on where where people are going to the hospital and they're they're dying, are you doing testing? You look to see where they live versus um, uh, where they get the test. But let me just tell you what the issue with, uh, with, the, with the data and what the issue is. So we do, uh, we will get the results of the testing, and this person will say that they're positive. So a lot of times, some of the, the addresses are from a, a, we have a positive case, it may come from the testing site, the address, and not necessarily the address where the person lives. So, for mm-hmm. example, um, say you're in a, uh, um, a transitional home or, or a place like that, 
you will get the address of that uh, facility and not necessarily where that person uh, had lived. And then the other thing we found was that um, almost 50% of the data that was coming from the hospitals, someone might forget to check that box to say which racial breakdown this is. Wow. So, that means so that's why they're having to go to, back and, and reconcile that data. Into, okay. We have to go into a computer for that one person, and it takes up 45 minutes on an average for mm. us to find out what the demographics is of that person. And so when you're getting like 300 cases turned over to you in a day, you you, you can't do 45 minutes per case trying to track down the state. It, it takes it just takes too long versus, hey, I've got to do what's called contact tracing. I need to find the person who's positive, And then I try to go back the last 14 days to see who that person's been in contact with. So I can tell those individuals, hey, you may be at high risk for contracting this coronavirus because she's been exposed to someone who's positive. We want to encourage you, if you can, to get tested. And, but you've got to self-quarantine yourself for 14 days. So there are a lot of trade-offs that we're trying to do um, in terms of really trying to protect the people who are at the highest uh, risk. 239-9696, 239-9696. Get your questions in for Dr. Virginia Kane, Marion County Public Health Director, as well as a literal infectious disease expert. This woman knows her stuff. In fact, she knows it so well that President Obama would call on her for advice on what to do in these types of situations. Our phone lines are completely full right now, so if you are on hold and you're hearing the radio station in your phone, that means I'm coming to you. If you keep dialing the number right now, you'll get a busy signal. But keep trying because I want to keep these calls going until we get off the air here at 10 o'clock. So let's go to the phones at uh, line one at 239-9696. Caller, you're live on the air. What's your name? What's your question? Hello? Yes, that's you. Good morning. You're live on the air. Hi, my name is Eleanor. Hi, Eleanor. And uh, Dr. Kane has pretty much answered a lot of the um, questions that I had in mind. I have fam- I have some younger family members in South Bend, Indiana, mm-hmm. and um, they just feel as though they have been um, like sequestered long enough. They have done their distancing long enough, but I'm trying to let them know that um, the mayor, well, the governor has stated that it has to go until like May 1st, but and then, then maybe get extended. I'm sorry. And yes. then it'll possibly get extended past May 1st. So, so yeah. can exactly. I, let me interrupt exactly. but I want to know We're how thinking, can I let them know uh, to stop being ignorant and follow the order, follow the rules as everyone else is. Yeah. Thank you for your call, Dr. Kane. Go ahead. So, yeah, so let me point out that we have um, Dean Paul Haverson. He's a dean the Fairbanks School of Public Health. And they've been doing what they call this modeling um, procedure. The modeling tells by cases and the rate of how quickly they can determine when they think we're going to hit our peak of cases in Marion County. And that peak can last two to three weeks. Mm. Being at a high number 
um, and they're they're determining at least for Marion County, they think that will be the first week in May that the peak will begin. Our, we we're thinking we're going to reach our peak of coronavirus cases if everybody can just stay at home, you know, the shelter in place and stay at home. Okay. But Doc, uh, let, let me st- let me stop you right there, just because that's that's where people stop listening because they hear, okay, that's the peak. But could you explain to people that that's the peak? That means we're at the top. You know, on a roller coaster, you go up and then you go down. Just because you got to the highest part of the roller coaster doesn't mean you're off the ride. Mm-hmm. So could you explain to them we still have to come down, and coming out too soon will send us back up. So. And listen, the federal government has determined, let's just say the federal government has determined that um, if you if you do nothing, uh, you're going to have 300,000 deaths easily. If you have the shelter in place and just keep it in place just for one month and then you lift it, you will have had 200,000 deaths. But if you stay the course, uh, for a couple of months with this um, uh, shelter in place, you can have less than um, uh, 50,000 individuals die. That's significant. Mm-hmm. Let me go again. If we did nothing in a community, 300,000 deaths. If you did the stay-at-home and shelter in place order for just one month only, then uh, you would have saved 100,000 lives. But if you're able to keep this shelter in place for three to four months, when you've definitely seen a significant decline in your cases and you're, not, you're having very few new cases popping up every day, then you're talking about less than 50,000 deaths. All right, Dr. King, uh Excellent. I'm, I, I want, I just hope folks understand, you know, they, they hear the peak and I know we're antsy. I'm tired of sitting in the house too, but you know, you just can't come out of this too soon. Absolutely even not. Because it, it just, no. it would make everything that we've done for the past month pointless yes. because we'll go fall back into this. Yes. More callers at 239-9696. Who's this on line two? Caller, you're live on the air. What's your name? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, this is uh, Kelly Vaughn. Uh, Hi, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. <laughs> good to hear from you. Hey, good to talk to you guys. Um, my question to Dr. Kane is this. I don't understand why there's no emphasis on nutrition. Now, I've seen Dr. Fauci get up there, you know, at the podium all the time talking about medicine and trials, which we don't have time for. Okay, I know that's coming in terms of vaccines and possibly even maybe a cure. But nobody talks about nutrition, and it's really irritating. Our, our immune systems, right, are cradled right in our colon. They never talk about probiotics. They never talk about vitamin C. They never talk about vitamin D. And that's something, now, you go to the shelves in the stores, it's gone. So some citizens are getting it. But to me, that it, at least that's something I can be personally proactive about to protect myself. And if we had started two months ago, I do understand it takes a while sometimes for that stuff to work. I understand in New York they're using vitamin C as a part of their therapy by IV. And so there are radical approaches with even nutrition. Dr. Dale Geyer, who is in Nora, has IVs where you can go in and get vitamins and nutrition. They don't talk about that, and at least that's something that we can do. Just so, imagine if so we all I did that over a period that of time. We actually, 
We actually talked about that the very first show you guys had me on. We talked about And that vitamins. was here on, on Open we, Lines show. Right yeah. on this show. Uh-huh. So we talked about how important nutrition was, um, vitamins like vitamin C. We talked about zinc products that are very beneficial uh, for fighting off viruses. And even, believe it or not, um, hot tea, which contains tannic acid. So we really did emphasize it on the very first show. I just think, in retrospect, we should have continued to really pound on that. Uh, but nutrition is really critical. The other thing that's really critical uh, is sleep. But vitamin C, a zinc in your vitamins are very protective. And there are a number of other um, uh medications are measures um, that are really critical, but you were so right. You know, that's what helps fight off infection is how healthy you are. And some of them based on our diet and our nutrition uh, don't always have the proper nutritional elements that we should have in order to fight off these infections. We don't eat enough fruits or vegetables are the two areas where we are the weakest uh, in our diets, and and people, you'd be surprised, don't drink enough fluids, water to flush out our systems, flush out our toxins in our body, uh, drinking plenty of water. Yeah. I appreciate that, Dr. Kelly. Yeah, thank you so much for your call, Kelly. Okay, thank you. Good thank to hear you. from you, Kel. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and very good points that um, that were brought up um, with Kelly's call and um, Dr. Kane's response. Uh, I know that one of the things that we have to mention when it comes to access to uh, healthy fruits and vegetables is that everyone doesn't have that access um, due to uh, various societal factors, like the fact that some of us live in food deserts, et cetera. Um, I've been really encouraged by the food delivery um, options I've seen that they've been offering fruits and vegetables with the care packages. So glad to see some of that happening in our community. We could definitely be doing more. Let's try to squeeze in another caller before we have to get off the air. The phone lines are still going and a lot of you are still getting a busy signal uh but i'm going to do my best and see who we can squeeze in in the next couple of minutes there's a caller on line three been standing by for a moment if i can get this button to work there it is uh caller on line three you're live on the air what's your name my name is paul how are you doing this morning i'm good Paul. paul what's your question for the doc my question is real quick and actually it's for the entire panel all right your uh the 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 uh ignorance was was mentioned by the doctor that word ignorance uh, I personally have been talking with uh, uh, Andre Carson's office in Washington, D.C., and this new bill that they're coming up with uh, as far as uh, trying to take care of the small businesses, they are very aware of uh, black folks such as myself not being able to get uh, funds to continue with my small business. But that's not my question. My question is this. When, or when and where are us as a black community going to stand up for the things that are happening to the black community and that are being put up on us. This, uh, just with the money uh, for the small businesses, if that don't show the disregard for black people in, in America, period, I don't know what else is going, what, it, what is it going to take mm. for us as a black community to separate ourselves and get ourselves together and stop depending on other people that are actually causing us to be sick. 
So my question to the whole entire panel is when or where is their group of black folks that are truly going to stand up against this system so that we can get the things in which we have need of. Yes. All right, Paul. Paul um, yeah. And thank you for you so, guys. So, hey, can I answer call. that question? Yeah, yes, go ahead, ma'am. Doc. Can I help answer that question? Yeah. This whole, one thing this whole community should be doing, you don't do nothing else. We've got to be really promoting and advertising and filling out that census report. Yes. Because based on the census, says how much money can come to us that are African-Americans in our community. Now, we're scared about filling it out. Oh, they're trying to track me down. They're trying to get me. But we do ourselves in when we're not doing an active campaign. Have, and we got to the end of this month, I think, or the deadline is sometime this month. We've got to push that census track. Then the second most important issue, we better get everybody registered to vote. And we better get our butts out there and vote, vote, vote. Because what happens to us comes from the federal government. They waive the affirmative action guidelines. They waive the, the affirmative action. They say you didn't have to have affirmative action in order to give the stimulus monies out. So no wonder we get screwed, okay? But we got to have more people look like us, representing our interests. Now, I will say this, just so you know, the mayor, the Chamber of Commerce, and we need to talk to Deputy Mayor Angela Jones, have been working to put um, $10 million aside to help black small businesses. And they think they're going to reach $15 million. And you'll be able to get the money, and it got nothing to do with your credit score. So if you got a lousy credit score, you can still get the money from the Chamber of Commerce. And our city council, Brown, city councilman Brown, made it clear <laughs> that he wants a report to say, how is this money going to be dispensed? I want it broken down by race. And I want to see the amount of monies that are being given to our our ethnic groups versus our white counterparts. Yes, indeed. But they will not use credit scores. So if you've had some problems in the past, that will not prohibit you from getting this money. So you well, call Angela Jones, Deputy Mayor, uh, Chamber of Commerce, Mike Huber, fast because they've got money to lend you that's not part of the federal stimulus, but they've removed a lot of those major barriers or requirements mm -hmm. that they have so we can't get any money. And Dr. Kane, we are going to make for sure um, for Paul and other people that have that same um, issue, we're going to make for sure that we have that information available on our website and that we get some of those people on the air to talk about this because, you know, there are a lot of us, to use your words, getting screwed in the system um, as usual when people are not looking out for us. So it's good to know that there are some people locally who are doing just that, that are looking out for the businesses that need it most. And I just got to say. We got to raise minimum wage. And I, Absolutely. And, and I yes. just got to say, we're, Doc, I just got to tell you, 
You were spitting some fire there. I heard the mic drop when you talked about getting out to vote and filling out that census census form. So yeah. we're just going to leave it right there because we're out of time. But uh, the the knowledge that you've dropped on us throughout this morning and what you just said here in the last five minutes sums it up. And I can't think of a better way to end this show. Indeed. And I do want to point out as far as small businesses, we also here at Radio One have hosted two uh, complete forums for small businesses, bringing in Andre Carson and a number of state leaders to make sure small businesses have the information that they need so that they can get through this too. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Dr. Virginia Kane, thank you so much for tuning in with us this morning. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course. uh, I always learn a lot and thank you. Thank you. Well, we are better and we are smarter from spending an hour with you. And we thank you uh, more than you know. So thank you uh, for keeping us informed and keeping us safe. Thank you. All right, Ebony, that's a wrap. We got to roll. That is a wrap. We got to roll. So uh, as I make my um, goodbyes, I just want to encourage you guys, if you got a stimulus check and you got a little extra change after you take care of the household, spend some money with a black business. That's what I did this past weekend. I bought some stuff online because we have to support our own. That's the cooperative economics for y'all. All All right, that's going to do it for this edition of The Open Line Show on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC. For Ebony Chappelle and our entire crew here at Radio 1, I'm Cameron Riddle. We thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Sunday morning live at 8. Peace.